Welcome to the Not Work Podcast. This is the show where we untangle our myths and reweave our stories, one ancient tale at a time. I'm your host, Marisa Gowdy. I'm a word witch, a writing coach, a story healer, and the author of The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic. Myth is medicine for the modern soul. Let's hear today's story and explore why it still matters. Episode 1, Conspiring with Bridget. My guest, Kate Chadbourne, is a singer, harper, and storyteller. She's an award-winning songwriter and poet, a scholar and teacher of Irish language and folklore with a PhD from Harvard. And she's a beloved performer at venues throughout New England. Kate has been featured in the Gaelic Roots concert series at Boston College, and her music has been featured on national public radio. She has released six solo CDs, three collections of poetry, and two books to encourage and support artists, musicians, and creators. Her latest CD, A Celtic Blessing Year, takes listeners on a mythic journey through the eight feasts of the traditional Irish year. You'll hear a bit of that at the end of the show. Kate is also the founder of the Bardic Academy, a school for writers, musicians, singers, and young scholars. She brings to her audiences the sounds of the harp, piano, tin whistle, Irish flute, and melodeon, as well as a deep knowledge and love of traditional Irish story and what is often described as the voice of an angel. I have been lucky enough to know Kate since 1997, when she was my first Irish professor at Boston College. More recently, Kate was my editor. She played a vital role in the final version of my 2020 book, The Sovereignty Knot. I am so excited to welcome Kate Chadbourne here with us today to tell a story very specifically for Imbolc, to tell us a story of Bridget or a story or two, perhaps. We will trust the storyteller and where she leads us. So Kate, without further ado, please weave a world for us. I'm so excited to hear what comes through. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your warm falcha. You're welcome. And hello to all of your listeners. How exciting. It's a great pleasure to be here to speak with you about Bridget and to tell you a couple of stories. Bridget has been a great friend to me for a long time. And I think when anyone meets her through her stories, she becomes a friend to them too. So Bridget really is the friend, the ultimate friend, really, among all of the saints and goddesses of early Ireland. A lot of people might be surprised to know that Mary and Bridget and Jesus all lived in Ireland. Of course they did. And back in the day when Jesus was born, of course, on Christmas, Mary and Bridget were BFFs. And the time came for Mary to go back to church. And, you know, that's the way women are churched. And she was really mortified. She didn't want to go. And, you know, it was going to be on the 1st of February. And she said to Bridget, I just don't want to go. Everybody's going to be looking at me at church and they're all going to be staring. And I, I just hate all of that. And Bridget, because she was such a great friend, she said, don't worry, Mary, leave it to me. And because it was beginning of February, it's the beginning of planting season in Ireland, right? Because the seasons are a bit different than they are here in North America. And it's a bit earlier. And so she went out into the nearest field and she saw there was a harrow, which is a, a, an agricultural implement like a rake. And she took the tines out of the harrow 
and she stuck it on her head and she put candles where the tines had been and lit them. And she walked into the church and she said, hello, everybody, would you look at me? And of course, everybody looked at Bridget with the crazy hat of fire on, which is perfect because Bridget's all about the fire. And nobody paid any attention to Mary who just slid into the back pew unnoticed and very pleased. And so when when mass was over, they went outside and Bridget took off her flaming headdress and they stood around chatting as they do because they're great friends. And Mary said, you know, Bridget, you really are a wonderful friend and I'm lucky to have you. And I want to give you a reward for all of this help that you've always given me. You know, my feast day is on Candlemas, is on the 2nd of February. And as a reward, I want your feast day to be on the first day of February. And so that's why we celebrate St. Bridget's Day or Bridget's Festival Day on the first day of February and Mary's on the second. So that lets us know about Mary and Bridget as great friends and Bridget just as a solver of problems. She is the one who comes to the rescue, who figures out what to do. And I want to tell you a little story about that. So Fado, Fado and Eirin, long, long ago in Ireland, that's the way a lot of stories are started. Once long ago in Ireland, there was a woodcutter and his family. And the woodcutter was out in the woods chopping wood. And he saw a little fox coming very close to his hen house. And what did he do? But he threw the axe. And I'm sorry to tell you, he caught the little fox and killed it. Well. Not long after that, Bridget was out in her chariot. Now, Bridget was an amazing early Irish saint, goddess, power, mama, figure. And out she is in her chariot, riding along, I love to say, like Xena, warrior, princess. There she is. Yaw, yaw, as it's clattering along across the land. And she's just looking for things to do as she does. And she sees at the edge of the woods a group of people and they're all crying and crying. And, oh. So of course she veers over to, the, to where that group of people is. And she says, what's the matter? What seems to be the problem? It's our father, says one of the daughters. He killed a fox and it turns out that fox belonged to the king. <laughs> and the king is now threatening to kill him. And we don't know what to do. And Bridget said, don't worry, I'll handle this, because that's the way Bridget was. Well, she said, don't worry, I'll get your father out, I'll handle this. So out she went back into her chariot, yaw, yaw. And as she went, she made a whistle. And she looked to the left and she looked to the right. A second whistle, and you know this is an Irish story, so everybody, you know what's gonna happen, a third one. And on that third whistle, what did she see at the edge of the field? But two little black ears and two little black eyes shining like stars and behind it, the most beautiful red little foxy body. And she said, come. And coming galloping across the field comes the little foxy and jumps up into the chariot and Bridget wraps the little foxy in her cloak, which if you have not had a fox wrapped in your cloak, it's the first thing you'll want to do after listening to this podcast. The most wonderful feeling of the fox in the cloak. And she says, little foxy, I have a job for you. 
And so off she goes. Yaw, yaw, driving the chariot until she comes to the castle. And in the old days, you could drive the chariot right into the castle. She drives it in. But when she gets inside, she hops down because she hears hollering. I'm gonna kill this woodcutter. It's the king. And the king is angry. He killed my foxy loxy and I will kill this woodcutter. I'm so angry. I love that fox more than my own children. Well, Bridget carrying the fox came right into the royal chamber and she said, your majesty, your majesty, I've brought you something. And she opens her cloak and out comes the little beautiful little fox. And the king says, that's just an ordinary fox. Who cares about that fox? My foxy loxy was a genius, was a lover. I love that fox. Well, she said, no, 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 just a minute, your majesty. And she claps her hand and she says, Foxy, how many is one plus one? And the little fox foot on the floor does this. Two. And the king says, well, that is very good, but I knew the answer to that. She said, all right, Foxy, Foxy, how many is three plus four? And the little fox with her eyes shining. Oh, was that correct, mathematician? Yes, your honor, that was correct. The correct sum was seven. Well, that is very good, but it's still not as good as my foxy loxy. Well, she said, wait a minute. She clapped her hands and the little fox rose up on her back legs and danced around in a circle on her back legs. Well, she is a cunning little vixen, but still not my foxy loxy. She said, wait a minute, you're on her one more. And she clapped her hands and the fox leapt up into the king's lap and began to lick his beard. Oh, he said, oh, my goodness. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I love you, Foxy. Okay, take the woodcutter. Take him. I don't even care. I don't even mind. I just need this. Oh, this little fox. Oh, well, he loved that little fox. And while Bridget knew the getting was good, out she went. She took the woodcutter and they went away. But the little fox watched after Bridget because every animal in the world loved Bridget so much. And so Bridget brought the woodcutter back to his family and everything was solved. And the king was as happy as a lark for about two weeks, because that is the nature of kings, isn't it? For about two weeks, he was madly in love with that little fox. But after two weeks had gone by, he started to grow restless and need novelty. That's the way. And he said, you know, men, I was thinking maybe we should go to war. We could go to war. What do you think of that? And they all said, well, Your Honor, that is an ingenious idea. What a startling and novel idea. You're right. We should go to war. I wonder who should we fight? That doesn't much matter. Let's go. And so they gathered all their men and all their flags and pennants and all their horses and armors and everything they needed. And off they marched. And the little fox sat on the king's throne and watched them disappear out the door and over the hill until they were no more. And then looking once to the left and once to the right, silently she treaded out of the castle and she ran and ran and ran across the green fields of Ireland until she came to Kildare, Kildara, the church of the oak, which belongs to Bridget 
And she ran into the sacred chamber where the light never goes out. And there she found Bridget and she leapt up into her cloak and snuggled her warm red little body against Bridget who wrapped her up in an embrace and the two were never parted again. That's my story. If there's a lie in it, so be it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish our listeners could see your face as you were the king. You embodied all of that foolish power in the most fabulous of ways. Thank you very much. Oh, goodness. It's fun. Every time I tell a story, the king sounds like that. Doesn't matter what story it is. Well, the king, I mean, we can just, you know, back in the day, there were times when the female was always the stock character. But let's be clear. That's also true that sometimes the king is just the stock character who comes out and throws his way around. Here, Yes. Oh, Kate, thank you. So there she is, the friend. friend. My pleasure. Yes, the friend to... A sister woman, the friend to animals, the friend to anyone in need. Yes. Oh. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. And I, I love, you know, when you, yeah. you and I were speaking before, that's what you most wanted to convey, that Bridget is here as a friend. For sure. For anybody who just kind of turns to her again. And, you know, the whole question of saint mm-hmm. or goddess, to me, that doesn't really matter at all. I mean, what we know, right, we do know that that there were goddesses in the British Isles who were called, I mean, even Britain is named after a goddess who was called something like Bridget, right? So we we know that we have this kind of Bridgety goddess that underlies the saint who we know about from hagiography starting in sort of the sixth century. And so we get this talk about, you know, not work. We have the weaving together of uh, many different traditions, right? Like we have the hagiographical written tradition and then we have the oral tradition and those stories actually both come from both traditions which is interesting they're of course recast by different tellers but anyway there she is so i i'm not too fussed i like to think that rigid is sort of a a thought form that you can trace however your angle of entry doesn't matter and that our angle of entry always has permission to shift and change because that's the nature of the knot itself. In our introduction, I mentioned that you and I first met when you were my Irish teacher 25 years ago at Boston College. But the other important piece of my relationship with Kate is that Kate was my absolutely invaluable final editor of The Sovereignty Knot. And there was a lot of the book was there, but important parts of the book weren't quite there yet when Kate got her beautiful, loving hands on it. And part one of the gifts you gave to me was really remembering to go back to the hagiography, to go back to the stories of Bridget that were offering Mm. her as in her saintly robes in, in that particular guise because my own journey had been so much of, you know, the rejection of the church. It was really important to my own budding feminism and my own sense of becoming from the Irish Catholic family that I grew up in. And knowing that part of my journey, and I think part of so many journeys, is that sense of, oh, right, what was it that I had to leave behind in my process of movement, yes. perhaps from princess, you know, into the princess self and onto the queen, if we're using the the metaphors from the sovereignty knot, but remembering that it's about looping back and getting to pull in 
all pieces of the tradition of the story of of, of Bridget as thought yes. form in order to inform us throughout the journey and throughout her journey, because taking her as one or the other is really to rob mm. her of all of that power that you so beautifully offered to us, especially envisioning her on the chariot. <laughs> I love what you say. And I'd like to say on that, if it sparks you, it belongs mm. to you. Yes. We don't have to be pulling things apart and, you know, coming back to the idea of not work. It's more about weaving things together that are important to you. And that's yourself. And you're recognizing, of course, parts of yourself in stories and in the world. And so if you see a part of yourself in the saint that you like, that's yours, you know, just as much as the goddess. Mm, right, right. Uh, yeah. So it all belongs to you. Yes. And it belongs to anyone who picks up a story and says, yes, that's me. And regard, you know, yes. you and I speak as people with of, of Irish heritage and who have deep connection to being there. And, you know, hoping that my listeners, maybe that the Irish and Celticness is their way in, but knowing that all of these stories are for everyone, regardless of whether you have a relationship. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. There are more mm. important things than bloodlines. You know, mm. there are there are right. other families than bloodlines. Yes. Sisterhoods. For sure. That sense of Jesus and Mary being right in the beginning of your story, like no one feels like, well, you know, I'm not actually Palestinian. I really, <laughs> I have not, not yeah. from a tribe of Israel. I really shouldn't go and use those stories. It said no one ever. You exactly. know, we've, we've said 2000 years on that universality of the Christ story, of Mary's story. Yes. And that's an invitation for us to look at a lot of stories that way. Yes. Uh, here, here. Take them all. Go through them. Seize yeah. what is what belongs to you. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah these things are fichafuicha, which is I, I love to, to give you for that for your podcast. Fichafuicha yeah. is one of my favorite things to return to, and it literally means sewn and woven together. It means inextricable. Fichafuicha. Fichafuicha. You got it. Good ears, as always. Good ears. You always had those. I was trained well. <laughs> <laughs> you have the nah. Well, anyway, just that idea that it's not the pulling apart, it's the weaving together. And it's mm. it does, as you say, like a disservice to ourselves and to the stories to say, you know, we have to we like for instance, I would say I, as a sort of following your path, went off of my Catholicism and then thought that I couldn't have any of that. You know, and mm. even I remember when people sort of started talking about angels. I thought, well, I can't have angels because I'm not in that. I'm not in the club. And now I think, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, the word angel means messenger anyway. And we all have access to messengers. We all have access to help, right? And light and support. So yeah, anyway, it's all for you, for each person. Right. And I love that you mention angels because my own, my mystery school teacher, I've tried, you know, where I've studied for the last 15 years in a tradition that's actually based in Peru because we weave together wow. the cultures. But we, I remember a class, you know, I've gone to class four times a year since, you know, since forever, it feels like we talked once about angels and she mm. described and she's like, well, they're thought forms. You know, it, rather than because yeah. there's sometimes too much put on, we can do it to goddesses, we can perhaps do it to saints, we can do it to the sense of that obsession with a single form of this is what this yes. angel is and what they said to me. It's actually more empowering to see 
Bridget or whoever is your guide as a thought form that's perhaps part of that collective unconscious, that's part of the entire unseen realm that weaves around us Mm. because it helps us keep from creating one static version of, you know, this is the statue of the Virgin and this is Mm. the only way one could ever possibly envision her. Mm. Oh, I love what you've said. You're right. And that guarding against that static kind of monolithic, very mm-hmm. confining stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Bridget herself, you know, there's, there's a false etymology, which nevertheless tells us something important, right? It, it comes from this ninth century glossary uh, by this guy called Cormac. And Cormac mm-hmm. says that Bridget's name comes from Bru Saget, which he says means flaming arrow, which is beautiful because Bridget is very much associated with fire and, and that sense of like bullseye. However, her name actually really comes from the root Brie, which we still have in Irish, and it means life force, vitality, right? And so back to your point, Marissa, that we don't want that kind of confining static imagery. What we really want is the life force, and that is always changing shape. And we're going to find it here in a saint story. And we're going to find it here in a goddess story. And then we're going to find it in an old lady that we meet in Dingle who is just crackling with life, right? Or, or you know, or a, a baby or, or wherever we find it, you know, right. and even wherever right. we find that sense of friendship and help. Mm. Right. And of course, for those of our listeners, you and I know this so well, but that sense of the reason we have Bridget and any number of our other Celtic stories are the monks, the Catholic Christian monks at the time who wrote down all of these tales, because oral tradition is powerful and fabulous. But the reason why the Celtic and Irish tradition specifically is as rich and as full as it is, is that yes. it wasn't just reliant on the stories by the fireside when the, the bards were no longer, you know, making their rounds around the country. It became what was held in those vellum books and yes. what was passed on by the scribes. Right. Mm. So it's a collaboration. And of course we yeah. see, you know, even in the stories themselves, for instance, in the stories of, of Patrick and Oshin, you know, mm-hmm. Patrick is saying, is it okay? He goes and he's like, I really love these stories. He's in the story called Agu of Nishanora, the, the colloquy of the ancients. He meets Oshin, who's come back from basically the other world. And Oshin begins to tell him stories of what Ireland was like before the saints came to Ireland. And Patrick, St. Patrick is so beguiled. He sort of falls into a whole day of just listening to stories. And then he goes off to pray and he's like, oh, God. Is this blasphemous? Am I doing the wrong thing? And God, God, (laughs) can I say that again? God, God says it's totally okay, but only if you write the stories down. So he says, get your scribe who's called Brogan, which means the little badger, get Brogan to write the stories down so you can share them with everyone. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? So that's- Oh, I love that. I know. So it is right? Like everybody together, God's in on this. (laughs) Patrick's in on this. The other world is in on this. You know, the stories are are knitting everybody together. Yes. Super cool. Yeah. And it gives us that little humanity of Patrick because, you know, I've I've never felt particularly comfy with him. Oh, no. You know, he he seems rather foreboding and there's just a lot of... He is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
and I so many Irish children's stories like beautiful like friends would give my you know my my daughters these beautiful gifts from Ireland and they'd have the story of St. Patrick and then the, the tale of like driving out the snakes and the evil pagans and I'm like and we're not gonna read this one again kid sorry <laughs> but that moment of giving us Patrick in that moment of of a real humanity of like yes. oh no did I enjoy myself too much like God I think I goofed up by yes. really falling in love with a story. And then perhaps God is even more human still and says, no, no, that's your birthright. You need those stories. We all do. Yes. That's mm. the the great storyteller. The all, the all, the infinite, yeah. right? Is saying, mm. yeah, have the stories. Just make sure you share them. Right. Right. <laughs> not to be not to be hoarded, but to be, to be given. Yes. Yes. Oh. So I want to also pay, you know, give proper due to the little fox and to this other story. Yes. And you and I hadn't talked about this, but I'm just, I had no idea what stories you're going to tell today. But the fox, again, to mention my daughters, have has always been their totem animal. Like our on my front step, we have a fox doormat because it's just been always so important to my girls. Yeah. So I'm really oh, excited to that. share this episode with them. Oh, good. Yeah. So... Thank you for giving us that story. There's so much in it, but tell us a little bit about what really calls to you and, and makes that part of your repertoire as a storyteller. Well, I love that story because I feel like it is a great story to tell to kids because if you ever saw me tell it, I stand up like the fox and dance around and I stamp my little <laughs> foxy foot and I get to drive the chariot. And so it's a very dynamic story. But I think that there's a lot there for adults as well you know, accessing that part of yourself that is a solver, that is mm. determined to do good, that doesn't give up, that really like is going to continue until she finds an answer and a kind answer and also is in kinship and can call forth an answer, in fact, from the world, mm. right? So mm. I will say I made up that part about the whistle, <laughs> There's no whistle in the early Irish tale, of course, but I thought she does attract, she calls forth a fox. I mean, those, those tales, of course, when they're written down, are they're like a paragraph. So in order, right. it's yes. almost like you need to add water and then they kind of body out in order to become what they, but I, I believe, I mean, there's some debate about this, in fact, about in some cases, we think that the tale might have been a sort of cipher or to, to help you recall it. Sometimes we think that they were written down so that the brothers could read them out to each other over silent meals so that they could listen. There's all kinds of questions. But anyway, I love the idea, though, that Bridget can call forth from the world what she needs. And it's one I want to put out there for all of us is to actually lean back into that more often. You know, I think our culture gives us a script that says mm. you won't get what you need. And it's fruitless or it's arrogant to ask or we have all kinds of crazy ideas but in these stories I mean in both stories Bridget looks around the world right she she wants to help Mary so she looks into the field and she finds a harrow and instantly puts it to use and she calls forth a fox so I love that idea that there is more at our disposal if we will look with those kinds of eyes with the eyes that believe that we can solve our challenges and we can help each other. You know, 
Thank you for that. That's such a gift. I've been playing with this sentence, again, from my mystery school teacher, that the universe is conspiring on our behalf. Love that. And sometimes I admit I struggle with that because sometimes I feel like, is that feel like something we say to one another to make us feel okay, but what about the starving children? What about the migrants who cannot find a home? What about all these different spaces in the world? How is the mm. world conspiring on their behalf if Bangladesh is going to be uninhabitable due to climate change? Or, you know, put in whatever it is that's got you around the heart because you read the headlines that morning. But what if in that reframe, it allows us to have that sense of, right, the universe is conspiring on our behalf because there are solutions all around us all the time. And I'm almost envisioning like, mm. you know, like in a video game where it's like you look at the field and there's, you know, the, the character in the game needs to find the magical tool that will help them. And there's like a little glow over there in the grass. And that would be where Bridget would have the power to do that without a, without a console, without using her thumbs right? to see the glitter around that harrow and say, oh, that's my solution right there. Oh, that's a brilliant image right there. Yeah, That's a brilliant to be in image. Relationship. Mm. Yeah, the glitter, yeah. the and yeah. training your eyes to see, to see that way, rather than to see the lack or only to see the family in grief, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to see the family in grief in order to solve it. So you're right. We have to look mm -hmm. at climate change. We have to look at people. I just read that Massachusetts is aiming to end child marriage. There are, are apparently there are children age 13 in Massachusetts who have been forced into marriage. This is Massachusetts we're talking about. There's all kinds of things that we have to look and say, this is a problem. We know that we could talk all day about that. And then mm -hmm. we have to look, as you put it beautifully, for the glitter around the harrow, right? That gleam mm -hmm. that says, here's something. I'm going to right. do my part. I love that you use the that you, you and your teacher are using the word conspire, because that mm. word, of course, means like to be inspirited together, right? I, so it's not, it's not, Bridget doesn't say, God, take care of this. Bridget right. says, give me the eyes to see a solution, and I am going to do my part. I will do my part is a powerful, and what's amazing is your part is doable by you. It is not I'm not, say, very good at math or science. My part is not to do with math or science. My part is to do with words. My part is to do with teaching. Other people have other parts to do. The part that is, is yours to do in helping is actually a pleasure to you. And a, you, you have a feeling of rightness around it. Like you, you know, you, your part is to do with inspiration and with words and with stories and with calling forth stories from other people so that they see themselves truly, right? And it's a joy to you. That's mm -hmm. how I think you know. You're seeing the glitter around the harrow, as you put it. Yes. And, and being in relationship with the creator and with the whole process of creation. Because what you really yes. offer us too is that beautiful reframe around you know, our own prayer that I think so many people struggle with is that, you know, mm. it often feels like a, a like a wish list for Santa or just a sense of, can I have, and would you please save and come, all these people that I love never, ever die or never, ever get sick. And that is unfulfilling for so many yes. of us because it's that sense of, wait, I know that I am more sophisticated than that, 
But how is it that then I continue to have a relationship with the divine, with something larger than myself? Maybe I'll just stop talking and stop asking because you were speaking before about the power of asking and, and, you know, looking for what it is we need. It's in that understanding Mm. of being in that co-creative relationship and conspiring together because it's not, maybe that's the thing that I've always had problems with is it isn't just the universe that's conspiring on our behalf. We're asked to conspire too. We conspire with the universe on behalf of the collective and the individual. That's it right there. We're not here to just passive. We're here to grow. We're here to flex Mm. our muscles and Mm. grow in power and clarity. You know, I always say if I have one prayer, it is let me see clearly. Let me see and perceive clearly, right? And knock me up up over the head if I need to see it more clearly. I want that clarity. That's the bullseye. That's the flaming arrow in a way Mm. Mm. is that clarity. But you're right. That conspiring, that co-conspirating, that is our work. Yeah. Yes. And that's the thrill. And that's and and in that is so much magic and growth and adventure and love and deep satisfaction. Mm. I really don't think we came into this world to simply to be afraid for one thing or to simply passively live and exist. I think we came to grow. I think I think we came to develop ourselves and learn who we are and we often learn who we are through the solving of challenges yeah. as Bridget, yeah. you know, we, that's Mary, that the, the ending of that little story where Mary says, I want to give you a, a reward in, in a story that turns out right. You know, a, a happy ever ending. We always know this is a path. This story gives us a map, mm-hmm. right? And so if the, if that story gives us a map, it says, be a friend, do what you can, Look with believing eyes at the world. Do your part. And that's, mm. that's perfect. And you will be rewarded. And truly, you will. Yeah. Every and time. It's a reward. Every year, we get to come around the wheel of the year once again yes. to experience and be reminded because that's what we humans need as that, oh, here's Imbolc, here's mm. Candlemas, and here we keep going round and round again. Yes. Yes. And no surprise either that really that Imolk is all about the light coming back. Mm -hmm. It's the light returning, you know, Mm -hmm. supposedly just to bring Patrick back into this. Patrick and Bridget were friends, too, of course, (laughs) in these stories. And I like to think that he was sort of like always wanting to pull her braids and like he probably had a crush on her and everything. And, is he uh, the Gilbert Blythe of Irish saints? Uh, he definitely is. He's definitely. <laughs> and, and she's the Anne Shirley. And uh, <laughs> she says famously, on my feast day, on the 1st of, of February, you can throw away the candlestick and half the candle. Meaning, like, because the light, right, because the light is so different in Ireland that it's getting to be so light already. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Patrick says, on my feast day, you can throw away the candlestick and all the candle. <laughs> Because it's light by the 17th of March. So he won, he won up to her in that story, <laughs> as they do. But it is, it is exciting that the light is coming back and the first crops mm-hmm. are going in. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the lambs are... My, my folklore teacher in Ireland called it the Feast of New Lactation, E-W-E, 
So mm-hmm. meaning that the lambs, you know, they're, they're about to be born and the mothers are in, are in milk. And so his mm-hmm. whole, and I will say this to your listeners, that this would be a really good excuse to have dairy products. <laughs> if, you, if you like, for Imolk, is, is get yourself some very nice dairy product and enjoy, mm-hmm. at least butter. Mm-hmm. Yes, the finest cheeses and ice cream would also be permitted. Absolutely. It would be just traditional. It's just honoring the day, really. Yes, your, your <laughs> lactose intolerance is going to be back here on Candle Mass, but on Imbolc, you just need to roll with it and it'll be okay. <laughs> it's a special dispensation. It should be. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and it's those, I mean, this is such a silly little thing, but you know, when I go to Ireland, I realize I can eat anything and it doesn't bother me. Part of that is the way that- It's true though. You know, it, yeah, Europe, Europe has done so many different things with the way they breed their wheat. I mean, literally breed, I think might almost be the right word for it, cultivate, mm. but you know, and with the way that when you're in relationship with uh, with the land and you are, you know, your feet are so firmly grounded mm. in, there are a lot of, maybe it's even, you know, human laws and even physical laws that don't count as much <laughs> just for a little while because yes. you're co-conspiring. And, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that you're walking out in the wind all day. Yes. So when you come yes. home from the pub at night and you make a big pot of black tea, really dark tea, and you have rashers and toast in the middle of the night and you still sleep mm-hmm. like a baby. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In America, it's like no tea past two o'clock. Ever. Absolutely. You'd be a quivering <laughs> jelly if you did that here. But no, that you can get away with it. So there are there's a bit of magic about that, I think. Oh, gosh, there it is. <laughs> I want to keep talking to you for the rest of forever, but I feel like it's so wonderful to be ending on this note around in bulk, knowing that this is the very first episode in the Not Work podcast and that we're starting here oh. with the light and that I get to share this with this light with you. You know, you've been such an important part of my journey with oh, these Marissa. stories. You gave them Thank to you. me first. And it means it means the entire world. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Kate, with from the depths of my heart, I thank you and I wish you a blessed imbolc. How would we say give us imbolc blessings? How would we say that in the Irish? Well, I would probably say Banakti, which is blessings. Banakti Leivrija. Banakti Leivrija. Blessings of St. Bridget's Day. Right. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Thank you, too. Thank you again for joining us for this very first episode of the Not Work podcast. You can find more about Kate at katechadborn.com. There you'll find her CDs and her writings and more about Kate as a performer. And if you visit bardicacademy.com, you can learn more about Kate as a teacher of music and as a guide for young scholars and scholars of all ages, I would say. And we'll close today with a song, a song of Kate's about Bridget, specifically written for this day, The Lady of the Fire. Oh
Thank you for tuning in to the Not Work Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And do share this episode with other lovers of myth and story. By the way, everyone is a lover of myth and story, even if they've forgotten. You can find out more about my writing, my book, and how to work with me as a writing coach and story healer, as well as my online writing community and courses at marisagowdy.com. Follow the show on Instagram at NotWorkPodcast and join our listeners group over on Facebook. Music on the show is provided by the wonderful Beth Sweeney and Billy Hardy, a Celtic fiddle and multi-instrumental duo based on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Our intro music draws together a number of tunes dating back to the 18th century and is entitled The Cape Breton Salute. Find more about their music and shows at billyandbeth.com. Gratefully, I live, write, work, and record this podcast on the ancestral lands of the Muncie Lenape tribe, whose name means original people. Remember, ancient stories are medicine for our modern maladies, and your stories can help heal the past, anchor us into the present, and create a more beautiful, sustainable future.